Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, dear beloved family. How are you? I pray that you're well. Do you not love all the crosses behind me? What a gorgeous wall. This is Monica's home across from St. Joseph the Worker Church. It's so beautiful. I wish you could see the rest of the home. It's absolutely gorgeous. And Monica is here with her two dogs. She's silencing her dogs for a whole hour. She's got them in a backyard. So if you hear a couple of barks once in a while, you'll know it's them. Um... It's so wonderful. The people here, we're in Tyler, Texas, as you know. We're in a little area called Winona, and it's all country. It's so incredible. They don't have internet yet, which is why we need to come to the church and Monica's house for internet. Um, it, everything is so terrific. I think I told you we, we purchased two five-bedroom mobile homes, so we'll be able to get ten women in there to start. And um, we have a very beautiful brother monk who, a Benedictine who's designing a little monastery for us and it'll be the, the Dufek family that donated 10 of their acreage to us 10 acres and there's a little hill on it and we'll be able to build a small monastery on that little hill and um, it's, it's just too wonderful I feel like I'm I know what it is to suffer I know what it is to be thrown out and to be silenced I don't know what it is to have all this incredible grace poured on us. It's so, so, so wonderful, beloved. And you know, I, I say I have one PhD in life, and it's a PhD in not giving up. That's the only PhD I have. And that's all we need right now, is a PhD to not give up. I am Dr. Mother Miriam uh, in not giving up. And yesterday we began from the website of catholicstand.com, we began an article on perseverance. And I'm not going to repeat that article, but I'll pick up where we left off and end it. It's a very short way to go. And then we'll spend the rest of the program taking your calls, your texts, your emails, because I've been gone for a week and a half, and I haven't been able to answer all of that or take calls. So Today is Friday. We have the weekend before us, so we'll try to catch up as much as we can. And you are absolutely welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. I've always said the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It does not have to be our subject. So I hear those little dogs. I don't know if you can hear them, but, but they're really, really sweet. <clears throat> Um, and so I'm going to pick up on this article on perseverance. There are two main areas where we can de develop uh, perseverance. Um, one is perseverance in faith, and the other perseverance in prayer. You can do this at home, and these are necessary for salvation. Perseverance in faith, perseverance in prayer. The Catechism teaches us that faith is an entirely free gift that God makes to man. So I, we have some workers here, uh, not here in Monica's home, but on our little farm. We have a farm, we have a cow now, we have chickens. I've never had this. I grew up in a um, brick jungle in New York. I've never had a cow or chickens or all of that. We're, we're just learning everything, and it's so, so wonderful. Um, 
and I was speaking to one of the workers who are um, adding, the, finishing the mobile homes and all that, and and he said to me, he said, I don't understand people who don't believe and they don't have hope. And they're, and I said to him, but I don't understand why we believe because faith is a gift. Why should God believe? Why do we love? Why? I, there's no answer for it. It's not because we're worthy. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we're faithful. It's not because we've done anything. It's a pure, free gift of God. So why others have not received that gift or have not responded to it, I have no answer because I have no answer for why I have received the gift and the grace to respond to it. It's absolutely a gift. Never, anytime you get upset with anybody because they don't believe whether they're against God, whatever it is, don't get upset with them. Only be reminded that you believe because God has chosen you to pour his love and grace upon you. Not because you're better. Nothing to do with that. Faith is an entirely free gift that God makes to man to live, grow, and persevere in the faith until the end. We must nourish it with the word of God. We must beg the Lord to increase our faith. It must be working through charity, abounding in hope, and rooted in the faith of the church. If you believe, beloved, I came across another young man some years ago, and he said, I said, do you study? Do you this? Do you that? He said, oh, no, no, I had all that as a child. You know, I, I, uh, he, he's, he's, a, he's, he's remained a child because he hasn't grown in his faith. You have to nourish it. You need to be at Mass. You need to be receiving the sacraments. You need to be reading the Word of God. It's God's love letter to us. There's li- it's a life-giving love letter through the Holy Spirit who wrote it through men. Um, you need to be in fellowship with other believers. So, uh, Catholics, you must be. So, uh, otherwise, you're like a coal that is removed from the fire and put on the side. And the other coals... Uh, keep each other burning, but the one that's taken out becomes cold and useless. That's us if we stay away from church, from everything else. The Catechism says the children of our Holy Mother, the Church, rightly hope for the grace of final perseverance and recompense the recompense of God, their Father, for the good works accomplished with His grace in communion with Jesus. You could say, well, I've done this, I've done that all all my life. Remember Matthew chapter 7, people came up to Jesus and they said, Lord, we've done this, we've done that, we've done that. And Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Good works will not get us into heaven. We will not get into heaven without them. Faith without works is dead. But we will not get into heaven by them. We get into heaven by the free gift of God for what he's done for us on that cross and through his resurrection. But works are necessary. They are the fruit of grace, but they are the necessary fruit of grace. And so this good article continues. There's There's an important relationship between perseverance and faith. That seems reasonable enough and something about which I can be mindful But what about perseverance in prayer? This is also explained for us in the Catechism, and it brings in the concept of love, too. St. Paul exhorts us to pray constantly, always, and for everything, 
giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. And he adds, it has been laid down that we are to pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing. What is it to pray without ceasing? What is it? Well, my whole life is a prayer. You know, I look at the trees. I have a beautiful window in front of me, all around actually in this gorgeous home. And I thank God for the beauty of his creation all the time. I hear birds chirping. Um, and I, I receive letters from people who are deeply, deeply wounded and hurting. And it, it, it absolutely hurts. My heart hurts God's heart. We pray for them every day, all the time. They're, everything is a prayer of, of request or pleading or thanksgiving. It's, it's like breathing. It's like breathing. Prayer to the Christian is like the stars shining. Always tireless fervor that can come only from love against our dullness and laziness the battle of prayer is that of humble trusting and persevering love this love opens our hearts to three enlightening and life-giving facts of faith about prayer it is always possible to pray prayer is a vital necessity and prayer and christian life are inseparable Beloved, if you don't pray, there's no heaven for you because there's no connection between you and heaven now if you don't pray. Finally, we are reminded of Jesus' words that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This I command you to love one another. What does it mean to ask the Father in my name? What does Jesus mean? To simply say in the name of Jesus words? No, 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 no. The name of someone is who they are. Jesus means Savior in his name, meaning that you're praying in the name of the Savior. You're praying according to his person, his character, all that he is. To pray in the name of Jesus is to pray holy thoughts, right thoughts, to pray in accordance with Scripture, the teaching of the church, the faith, to pray in humility, to pray trusting, not to assume a thing. To assume is sinful, but to pray as a child, confidently knowing that you're praying to God the Father through his Son. Whatever you ask, the Father in my name he will give you. In the name of Jesus means that we're praying in accordance with his will, so that if what we pray is not the best for us, God will not grant it. Because if we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying in the name above all names and the name of the one who died for us and rose from the dead to give us life. And if our prayer is not in accord with his plan for us, with our salvation, with our good, with our growth and holiness, he will not grant it to us because we've prayed for his will when we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray for the will of God and he's a perfect, perfect, perfect Father, who will give us only what's good for us. If a child says, Mommy, I want to eat the bowl of sugar. Well, if you're a good parent, you're not going to allow that child to do that. And the child will cry because it wants what it wants. But you are a good mother who would give your life for that child and you will not allow her to destroy herself. Neither will allow God allow us to destroy ourselves. So there's the music for our first break, dear ones. Be right back after the break. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. 
This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that the church needs to keep up with the times? G.K. Chesterton says that all this talk about keeping up with the times has been uttered hundreds of times before. To be up to date, he says, is a paltry ambition, except in an almanac. The church certainly does not need to imitate the secular world. In fact, what does the word secular mean? It does not mean worldly. It does not even mean irreligious. To be secular simply means to be of the age, that is, of the age which is passing. And in the case of anyone trying to keep up with the times, the age that is already past. So what the word secular really means is dated. The church's truth is never out of date because it is eternal. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Nava, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. You can also catch a bonus encore Saturdays at noon Eastern. God bless you. Keep the faith. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We're just at the end of... Um, uh, the article on perseverance, and then your emails. And I was told by James that uh, all the phones in the building of their studio in Buffalo, New York, uh, are completely down. The whole building is down. So I'm so sorry, but we won't be able to take your calls today. But we can probably still take texts and certainly your emails. And we have many emails to catch up on. So I'll finish the article, and I'll go to your texts and emails. Um, Where we ended off, um, uh, just the conclusion of the article, I won't repeat what I've already read, just the very conclusion, um, two sentences here, three actually, in conclusion, let us commit then to help save our souls. Now you see, to an evangelical Protestant, which I was for 18 years trying to save Catholics, that is anathema, that statement. We cannot help save our souls because it it indicates that we could add to the sacrifice of Christ. Well, in fact, we can. We don't, his sacrifice was sufficient for the, for the sins and the saving of every single soul, past, present, and future. He said it is finished, and it was. But when he said it is finished, don't think everything was finished. Because it has finished what was written of him in the Old Testament to die for the sins of man. 
but he hadn't risen from the dead yet. So salvation wasn't finished yet. If he hadn't risen from the dead, there'd be no salvation. Um, but we can add, just as Paul says in Colossians 1.24, we can add to the sufferings of Christ, not for the sin that separated us from God. That alone Jesus did but for the temporal effects of our sins on earth. And so um, uh, we can save our souls. We can do good. And God, it, it is faith working, Galatians 5, 7, faith working through love. Again, faith without works is dead. Um, let me give the example that I've given before. Uh, because I, I put this together, I'm, nothing's original with me. I just read the scriptures, read the, about the faith, and then put it together in a simple illustration that makes sense to me. Um, and I've told this story about Johnny because it helped me uh, very much to understand the idea of purgatory. So you tell Johnny, your little boy, not to play baseball in Mrs. Smith's yard next to you. And one day, Johnny, no, 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 that's not, that's purgatory. I don't want to do that. I want to talk about works. Um, different story. Um, you have an older son. He's graduating high school. And he wants to go to quite an expensive college for a very unique career, let's say. And the college is $100,000 a year. I don't know what it is. I don't know prices. But let's just say that. And you and your husband don't have money. Your husband and you and your wife don't have the money for it. And you, you, you have some money saved up, but not enough. And so the papa's going to take an extra job, and, and mom is going to do what she can to earn money. And you say to your son, let's say his name is Joseph, Joseph, um, your mom and I, dad says, will, because he doesn't have the money, your mom and I will support you in going to that college for $100,000 or $50,000. I don't know what the cost is today. Your mom and I will send you to that college on the condition that you maintain a B-plus average. Now, when they say B-plus, they know he's capable of a B-plus with a little extra effort. They know that. And, and if he wants a $100,000 college, extra effort is uh, appropriate. Uh, they're not going to call him to an A because that might call him to a bit of failure. They're not going to call him to a B because he can, he can get that B easily. But a B-plus, he's got to put in extra effort without fearing the A and failing. So... They say you have to maintain a B-plus average. You need to clean up your room every uh, Saturday. You need to take the garbage out. You need to be home by midnight. Honor your mother and father. Don't beat up your baby sister. Okay, now, here's the million-dollar question. If for the, for the last year of high school, he has to do all that. So at the end of the last year of high school, um, he has kept... B plus, he's cleaned up his room on Saturday, he's home by midnight, he's honored his mother and dad, he's not beat up his babysitter, sister, and I forget what else, the one, one other thing. Um, has he earned the $100,000 for college? If he's done all that, those were the conditions for his receiving the 100000 If he's done that, every one of them, perfectly, has he earned $100,000? Think about it. Don't answer too quickly. If you've said yes, you are in twilight zone. 
Is that all a high school child needs to do? Is those little things to earn $100,000? All his parents have given to him shouldn't earn him a penny because all they've asked him to do is what a good parent should require of their children without reward, to raise them in the nurture of the faith, to raise them to honor their mother and father, to be a good member of the family, to, to love and honor God. They shouldn't earn one single penny for any of it. That's all they should be doing no matter what. So if they do what they should do, what they've been given to do, just to grow and mature and live a right life before God, then the $100,000 is a totally pure and free gift. If they don't do it, they forfeit the gift. It remains a gift. But if they don't do what they've been given to do, they forfeit the gift. Same with us. Heaven is a gift. Heaven with a, is a gift. We could never earn it. A billion, billion prayers. A billion sacrifices. If we lived uh, all of eternity, we could never earn salvation. It is a gift. But if we don't do what God has given us to do, honor our mother and father, keep holy the Sabbath, uh, don't steal, don't curse, don't this, don't that, uh, don't covet your neighbor's wife, keep the commandments. If we keep the commandments, even perfectly, have we earned heaven? No way. We've only done what a good steward should do, the stewards of the grace of God. Heaven remains a free gift. If we fail to do these things, then we have forfeited the gift of heaven. It is so important to understand. I meet so many Catholics who say, well, I'm a good person. No, you are not. You are a sinner saved by the grace of God. And you need to live responsibly. And if you think you deserve heaven because you're a good person, you probably will not get there because you know nothing of the grace of God and the gift of salvation. So the author of this article on perseverance says, in conclusion, let us commit then to help save our souls and those of our fellow Christians with God's good help. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. With God's good help, by persevering in all good things, Persevere in prayer, persevere in faith, persevere in love, persevere in compassion, persevere in charity. The list goes on and on, but as many roads lead to the same destination, may the roads we travel lead us to God. God is love. End of article. Now, dear ones, <clears throat> you can't call in today, you can on Monday. Hopefully, the system will be fixed. It's not the Station of the Cross. It's, it's their whole building. All the phones went out, so that needs to be fixed. So right now, we will go to your, your emails and uh, many of your texts. Um, and I'll remind you, uh, next week, I'm flying out to Naples, uh, Florida, for the Station of the Cross. Um, 
rather, uh, for LifeSite News 25th Anniversary Gala. And the, our good people from the Station of Cross will be there. LifeSite News will be there. Please pray for John Henry, co-founder of LifeSite News, to be able to get there from Canada. There, there are problems. And one of the main speakers, doctor, um, has been put in jail for her pro-life stance. And she won't be there. She was a main speaker. So pray for the conference that uh, John Henry Weston especially can get there, um, that we can all get there. And I'm going to be giving a short talk. And uh, Jim, uh, Father James Altman will be speaking. Um, and uh, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in the Passion, will be the keynote speaker. I'm truly, truly looking forward to meeting him. Um, and I've said all along, tickets are limited by the size of the place, and the fire department only lets so many people in the room. But I, I don't know how many are, are available now, but there's always a few. Not always. They could sell out. But go to gala25.lifesitenews.com, and you'll be able to get a ticket if there's still one left or ten left. It's gala, G-A-L-A, 25.lifesitenews, one word, dot com. And it'll be a thrill. If you're there, please, please say hello. I would absolutely love to meet you. Okay. Our, our number to text, hopefully you could still text, is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or uh, email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. James, we will go to you now for, for emails and texts. Okay. Good morning, Mother, to you and all Good of morning. our listeners. So this first email today is from John, and John says, Hello, Mother. Yes, James, I am the same John who sends email after email, and God bless oh, you, John. Sweet. Thanks for your emails. How sweet. How sweet. That's the first email that has, has been speaking to you, James. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> so many people love your being on the program, as I do. Well, I'm happy to hear that, Mother. And John says, I love your show on 1060 AM in Natick, Massachusetts. Now, my question of the day. What happens to a baby that dies before the child is baptized? Can the baby still be baptized, or does the child have to go to hell? Okay, let, let me interrupt right there. Um, the child cannot be baptized after death, but nor do we know that that child goes to hell. Um, it used to be that unbaptized baby, the church would talk about going to limbo, and I don't think it's an official was an official doctrine of the church. Um, the fact is we simply don't know. We simply don't know um, where that baby goes because that baby, though born into original sin, has never committed actual sin at all. Um, uh, well, if it's a baby, uh, the baby hasn't committed actual sin. So... The, um, uh, uh, the church is simply not definitive on that. It doesn't say the baby will go to hell, but certainly not that the baby will go to heaven. We leave that baby in the arms of an all-loving God who gave his life for that child. And remember what St. Augustine said, we are bound by the sacraments. God is not. The, ho the God of the whole world who gave his son will do what is perfect for the life of that baby. There is our half hour break dear ones we'll come back and we have more from this email from john and then we'll take your other emails you can still email in today with anything on your heart toll free one 877 511 
5483. Oh, no, that's a text number. I'm sorry. Email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. And we'll be right back. At the Station of the Cross, we are blessed by the variety of donations our listeners generously contribute for our evangelization efforts. From planned gifts to employer matches, we even receive donations through transfers of stock. Please consider giving a gift of stock to help us continue sharing the love of God with our hurting world. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's one 877 888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. We are helping to bring the Catholic community together through our Catholic Community Events page. You can discover the details about a community calendar event that you've heard on the air. Just click on the events tab at thestationofthecross.com and find your local station. If your parish or Catholic organization has an upcoming event and you'd like to get the word out, you can submit it for consideration under the events tab as well at thestationofthecross.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there. God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour to ourselves, and you're welcome to not call today because the, all the phones in the building in Buffalo at the Station of the Cross are, are out today. It's not just the stations, their whole building. So um, you can still, I believe, still text at the, at the number of 1-877-511-5483, but you can certainly email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're in the middle of an email, James, aren't we, huh? Yes, we are. So before the break, John's first half of his question was, what happens to a baby that dies before the child is baptized? Can the baby okay. still be baptized, or does the child have to go to hell? Okay, and, and what I answered right before the break uh, that may have been a little confused with the break music is that we don't know. We do not know at this point. We do know that the God of the whole earth will do what is right and that that baby has not yet committed actual sin, though born into original sin. And so whether that baby will see the face of God or not, we don't know. We don't believe that baby will go to hell. Um, 
and um, uh, I'll repeat the statement of um, uh, St. Augustine who said, we are bound by the sacraments, God is not. So we leave that unbaptized baby in the hands of God and do not know its eternity. But if, it's, um, if it hasn't been able to commit actual sin, uh, then um, we do not believe that baby will go to hell. And then continuing on with John e- John's email here, he says, Also, I'm still having a hard time going to confession. Can you please add my name in your rosary for the courage to go to confession? I want and need Jesus in my life, but Satan keeps putting ideas into my head about how the priest will respond to my confession. I need help. John, uh, don't blame Satan. Don't do that. Um, I, I don't do that. I don't know what Satan does or not. It could be. It could be Satan, but it's, I think it's a little more psychological. It's more fear of what the priest will think of you, and that's a very understandable human fear. I think what helps me when I don't want to go to confession and let the priest who knows me know my sins, I, I picture if I could be a priest, which I'm a woman, so I cannot be, but if I could be a priest... Um, what would I want? Would I want to help those that would be afraid to come before me on the other side of the confessional wall uh, to get the, to, to uh, speak their sins? I know they're afraid of what I would think of them and what I might say, but I would want to help them to know the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And I bet, John, that you would do the same. If you were a priest and there was someone who was just afraid to come to confession, afraid for you to know their sins, afraid what you're going to say, you would want to comfort them and calm them and love them to forgive their sins and help them to not be afraid. So one, picture you are being a priest, John, and the compassion you would have. Someone once asked Father Groeschel, many of you know him, the younger generation may not. He died a few years ago, magnificent holy priest. And someone one, once asked that priest, if, and he was spiritual director for all the priests in New York, um, the diocese of New York. And someone once said to him, uh, Father, if you uh, had a choice of losing your eyesight so that you could no longer celebrate Mass or losing your hearing so that you no longer could hear confession, which would you choose if you had to choose? And Father Groeschel said he'd rather lose his hearing so that he couldn't celebrate Mass. He'd want to keep it, he'd rather lose his eyesight and not celebrate Mass and keep his hearing to hear confessions for sinners. That's the heart of a true priest. I'm not saying every priest should prefer to hear confessions than celebrate Mass. The world wouldn't exist without the Mass. But there's the heart of a priest. And I know that if I could be a priest, which I cannot, I would long to receive people that hadn't been to confession for 50 years. I would long, long for that. So, John, keep that in mind. And also keep in mind that the priest is a human being like you. And the priest that led me into the church said to me that the priest does his most important work when he's not himself. So, for example, at Mass, when the priest 
holds up a round wafer made of wheat and water, and over that wafer pronounces the words of consecration, this is my body, and over the wine, this is my blood. Bread and wine obey. But they don't obey the priest. They obey Christ speaking through the priest. Christ is the high priest, and Christ is the victim. And it is Christ who says, through the instrumentality of the priest who has become an altar Christus, another Christ at that point, Christ speaks through that priest and says, over bread, this is my body, and this is my blood. Just as at the Last Supper, when Jesus took up unleavened bread, matzah, at the last Passover supper. The mass is the Passover fulfilled in the Passover lamb. And at the last Passover of the old covenant, which Jesus held in the upper room with his disciples, he took bread, unleavened bread of the Passover supper, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. And bread obeyed, just as if, just not as if, just when he created the world. He said, let there be light. And there was. He creates by his word. When he said to the bread, this is my body, bread obey, and became his body. Just when he said to the waves, stop, calm down, they obeyed. Matter obeys God. And so at mass, when the priest says, this is my body, it is Christ saying it through the priest and bread obeys and wine obeys just as at the first mass in the upper room and become his body. The same thing happens in the confessional. The priest becomes an altar Christus. The priest could be in mortal sin. He could be a terrible priest, but he hears your prayers and remember that you're speaking to God. The priest is the instrument, but you're speaking to God on the other side. And when the priest says, I absolve you, it's God through the priest saying, I absolve you. Thou, those two times, in the Mass and in the confessional, the priest does his most important work, and it's those two times that he is not himself. It is Christ saying, this is my body through the priest, and it is Christ saying, I absolve you through the priest. Don't ever be afraid of what the priest is going to say to you because that is up to God regardless of what the priest knows and says. Don't let it bother you that he's going to know about you. There's nothing new under the sun. You will never tell the priest a sin that he has not heard before. And the fact that he knows it about you, just don't worry. Don't worry. He, he, he has thousands of confessions. He probably will never remember it. And if he does... He knows that he himself is a sinner and has to go to confession as a priest and confess his sins to another priest. Um, And if it really bothers you, um, John, go to another church. Go to another church. When I was a brand new Catholic, I did that. I didn't want the priest who knew me to know my sins. I was afraid of that. So I went across town to another church to a priest who didn't know me and I confessed my sins. And I said to him, Father, one of my sins is that I just came across town to give you my sins because I didn't want another priest to know my sins. So that's a sin, and I apologize. And I apologize. I'm sorry before God for it. He said, that is not a sin. It's not a sin to go across town to another priest who doesn't know you. The confessional is supposed to be private. 
don't worry about it. It is not a sin. So, John, if you're really concerned about that and you can't psychologically, don't blame Satan, you can't get over the fact that a priest who knows you is going to know your sins and you're going to be afraid of what he says. It, again, what he says is from God. But if, you, if, if it bothers you that much and you can't get past it, go to another church. doesn't matter if it's Novus Ordo or Latin or whatever. Go to another priest who doesn't know you. Confess your sins. Do not stay away from the confessional, John. Because through the penance, God gives, it's not just that you be forgiven, but you are given reparation to repair the temporal damage that you've done, which if you don't, will God will give you that time in purgatory, and you don't want that. Okay. Anything else, James, to this email? Just to wrap up the little last bit here, he says, and to James, it is so nice to hear the voice of the person who helps Mother Miriam stay on the air with yes. so much hard work. May God keep you and bless you all days. And thanks, John. It's wonderful encouragement this morning. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And God bless you as well. And he says, and also Mother Miriam, can't forget the main member of this wonderful show. <laughs> Thank you, Mother, and may God bless you and keep you safe and on the air until Jesus comes again. Yours in Christ, yes. John. Oh, John, I love that, and I love your prayer because I've asked God to let me live 500 years, and it could be that long before Jesus comes back. So I would love to be on the air until he comes back, even if it's a million years, as long as one soul is breathing who does not know Christ. My eye doctor said to me, I said to my eye doctor, I said, you need to keep these eyes going 500 years. And she said, 500 years, why? I said, because I want to live 500 years. She said, who's going to be around for you to talk to? And I said, anybody that doesn't know Jesus. That's it. So John, I love you. God bless you. And we'll be in this together. John, I want you to go to confession this weekend. I'm giving you an order. I want you, you don't have to obey me. I want you, we will be praying for you. We will take you into our rosary. And I want you to call me on Monday and tell me that you went to confession. And I don't care if you went 100 miles away. Go to confession and trust God. Talk to Jesus, not the priest. Talk to God and receive forgiveness from him. And call me on Monday and let me know, John. Okay, I know. Mother, you're pressuring me. Don't do that. I'm sorry. I'm going to pressure you. I want you to be saved. What if you die in your sleep? Hopefully, none of your sins are mortal, because if they are, and you stay away from confession, you die in your sleep, you'll be in hell, John. Don't do that. Hopefully, none of your sins are mortal. Um, but go to confession, dear one. Go ahead. There's nothing you have committed that hasn't been committed a thousand times before you. Okay, God bless you. Okay, James, next one. So next we'll go to an email from Julie, and Julie says, As a former catechist, I always was taught, and I always taught myself, and always was taught, that missing Sunday Mass is a mortal sin. That's correct. When I said this to a friend who goes to Mass occasionally, she stated, quote, That's not true. I never learned that in Sunday school. Church attendance falls once summer hits and Sunday school is done. What changed as far as teaching about sin, and when did this happen? Your talks on sin compel me to ask because we never hear about sin anymore. How so many have so many in the church decided not to offend rather than speak truth? What a disservice the church is doing to people's souls. Thank you, Julie. Amen, Julie. I think that's exactly what's happened. The faith is not taught anymore. Sin is not taught because priests want to be liked. 
it's not just that they don't want to offend. They want to be popular. They want to be liked. It's, it's their souls. They will be accountable before God. The main thing to talk about is sin. Why did God give us religion? Why did he give us the church? Why did he give us the sacrifice? Why did he die on the cross for our sins? And if priests don't speak about that, they are accountable to God, and they are forfeiting their vocation and lead responsible for the souls that will be in hell. Um, you know what? I would say not just to Julie, not to just to your uh, anybody you know, but to every single soul. If you're depending on what you learned as a child in Sunday school, you have no assurance you'll be in heaven. You must not rest your salvation on what any human being has taught you, whether good or not. Go to the catechism. The catechism, the current catechism following Vatican II teaches that not attending Mass on Sunday is a mortal sin. Mortal means death. And there are three requirements for mortal sin. And we'll, we hear the music for the break, and I'll, I'll tell you those when we come back if you don't know them. Do not depend on what you learned in Sunday school or in seminary or anywhere else. You must read the catechism, read the church documents. You, not anyone else, is responsible for your salvation. You will not be able to blame anybody for what you've been taught or failed to be taught. We'll be right back after this break, beloved. Join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes, and you cannot call in because all the phones are down, but um, you can email and and perhaps text at that same number. Um, We are in... Where are we, James? We had just wrapped up with Julie's email, but I think you said you were going to lay out the requirements for mortal sin. Oh, you're such a sweetheart. I tell you what. See, my memory goes, but James is young and strong, and he has a memory. This is a great partnership. Um, Yes, wasn't it uh, about missing Mass on Sunday that's a mortal sin? Mortal, for sin to be mortal... um, and, and I think uh, Julie also said that mass attendance falls in the summer because maybe the children are out of school and they go to the beach and all of that. It is a mortal sin to miss mass on Sunday. But you must know that the three requirements for mortal sin is, number one, it must be grave, and that is grave. Um, you must know it is grave, and you must be able to do it of your own free will, not at gunpoint or coerced or drunk and all of that. So you must, it must be grave, you must know it's grave, and you must therefore do it of your own free will. So if during the summer someone knows that it would be a grave sin to miss, miss Mass on Sunday, and, um, uh, and, and you, you know that it is a grave sin, and you secondly know it's a grave sin, and you miss it of your own free will because you want to sleep in, because you're on vacation, whatever it is, um, you have committed mortal sin, which is death. And you have, uh, when you commit mortal sin, you excommunicate yourself from the church and the grace of God. And the only way to go back is to go to confession. Unless you've received a dispensation, go to the bishop and say, we're going vacation, there's no church within 100 miles, can you give us a dispensation and we'll go on Wednesday to make it up or something like that. You can't simply miss church on Sunday and remain in good standing with God. That's not true. So, again, forget whatever you've learned in Sunday school, whatever, don't forget, but check it out. Your salvation depends on it. When, when we are in heaven, what the church has failed to do, they will be accountable for. What schools have failed to do, they will be accountable for. What the Pope has taught in error, what priests and bishops have taught in error, they will be accountable for. But we, beloved, are accountable for knowing our salvation. We're not children. Um, it, it's one thing to, to mislead little children. That's a grave, grave offense, as Jesus has said. But uh, as an adult, you need to read the Catechism. Uh, And the Catechism I recommend is the Catechism of Trent Explained. The title is The Catechism Explained uh, by Reverend, uh, the comments by Reverend uh, Spirago. Uh, The Catechism Explained is the Catechism of Trent. If you have the Catechism that followed Vatican II, that's okay. It'll say the same thing. Read it. Read that. It's not for scholars. It's for us. So, okay. 
Next one, James. So we've got an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, I recently commented to someone that Muslims do not worship the same God as Catholics. Allah is not God the Father. The person responded that, quote, those of us who honor Vatican II believe that Muslims worship God the Father just like the Jews. I looked that up in the documents of Vatican II, and indeed it says that. I don't understand how Muslims, whose religion begins with Muhammad and not Abraham, can be said to worship the same God, especially when Allah taught Muhammad false doctrine. What is your opinion on this? My only reply was that Vatican II is in error, but who am I to say that about a council? Uh, I'm not going to give you my opinion, ever, uh, unless it's not a matter of doctrine. But what church teaches is not a matter of opinion. And um, here's my first thought on that. Um, Romans 1, um, uh, rather Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says that God has put the knowledge of himself within every single heart and that there is not one of us that are without, that are without excuse um, for not knowing that a God exists. We all know that there's a God. Now, because we've turned from God through original sin, we're still drawn to him. And so that's why there are a zillion religions, because we're separated from God, we belong to him, we know he exists, he's created us with a desire to love and be loved and to belong. And so throughout history, those that have rejected the true God and the true faith, which is Judaism fulfilled in the Messiah, which is Catholicism, um, invent their own religions, their own way to God. And so all the religions of the world say we can get to God by this, by that, by asking Jesus into our heart. No, we can't get to God by asking Jesus in our heart. We get to God through the church that he established. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't ask Jesus into our heart. It doesn't mean his grace is not available. But it's only because the church he established exists. Um, No one uh, is saved outside the Catholic Church. So even if you're a non-Catholic Protestant, the church teaches that whoever through no fault of their own does not know about the Catholic Church and the true way to salvation, uh, but live up to the grace they have been given not will be saved, but can be saved. Um, Same thing with Catholics. We, like the Jews before us, have more than anyone else this side of heaven. If we, to whom much is given, much is expected and required, if we don't live up to the grace we've been given, there's no salvation for us. So, in the case of the Muslims, as in any other false religion, it is a false religion. Anything apart from Catholicism is false. Um, Many true things might be believed, but the religion as a whole is false. It does not come from God. And so um, I think of Acts chapter 17, where the Apostle Paul went, and there were those soldiers worshiping the uh, tomb to the unknown God. And Paul didn't say to them, you're worshiping a false God. He said to them, let me tell you who you're worshiping. Let me tell you who that unknown God is. So... I think a similar situation with Muslims. Um, the Catechism, I'm on Catholic.com now, there's an excellent article on this from Tim Staples, and the Dogmatic Constitution of the Church, Lumen Gentium, number 16, from Vatican II says, the plan of salvation 
also includes those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place amongst whom are the Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham. doesn't mean they do. They profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us, they adore the one merciful mankind's judge on the last day. And Tim writes, some will say this declaration does not indicate Muslims believe in the same God we do, because it only says Muslims profess to hold the faith of Abraham, not that they actually do. Tim says the council fathers, Tim Staples is one of the greatest apologists alive today and Catholic with Catholic answers. The council fathers were certainly careful to say Muslims profess, but not that they profess to believe in one God. There's a difference. It says they profess to hold the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham, the catechism says, involved more than simply acknowledging that God is one. The catechism teaches that the faith of Abraham includes, quote, the people descended from Abraham, who would be the trustee of the promise made to the patriarchs, the chosen people called to prepare for that day when God would gather all his children into the unity of the church. It says the patriarchs, prophets, and certain other Old Testament figures who have been and always will be honored as saints in all the church liturgical traditions. Israel, and it goes on to say, is a priestly people, and it goes on to say how they're included. Muslims could hardly be included in this number. It's a distortion to claim from the catechism that Muslims do not truly believe in the one true God. It goes on to say, I'm going to take this up on Monday. Uh, in the interim, you could look the question up on catholic.com. God bless you, dear ones. Have a wonderful weekend. It's so good to be back with you, and I agree with you. It's great that